Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Jake's Takes podcast at Oklahoma State University. I am your host, Jake Ferrar, and today, a lot for me to cover, including Oklahoma State's dominating win at West Virginia. I will recap some other college football scores that happened this past weekend. I will preview Oklahoma State's next football game this Saturday against TCU. I will give my NFL picks for Week 10 of the regular season. The MLB award finalists were announced. I will also talk about the Jack Eichel trade that went down. I will also recap UFC 268 and the Canelo versus Plant fight. I will also talk about some other exciting college football games that are happening this weekend. And last, voted on on my Instagram story, I will give my opinion on the top 10 post-game rants by coaches in all sports of all time. So, a lot for me to cover for episode number 11. What can I say to start? Awesome trip out to Morgantown, West Virginia. The Cowboys came out victorious against the West Virginia Mountaineers 24-3 at Mountaineer Stadium. Oklahoma State was down 3-0 after the first quarter, but they were the offense was able to rip off 24 straight points, and I have to start with how great the defense was. What a game by the Oklahoma State defense. Eight sacks for the Cowboys, and that was huge. If you can sack the quarterback eight times, you are going to win a lot of football games. There is no doubt about that. The defense for OSU was absolutely dominant. They held West Virginia 2 of 14 on third down, West Virginia passing 16 to 24, 116 yards and one interception. West Virginia rushing only had about 33 yards in the game, or it was something ridiculously low. It was absolutely great. They held Letty Brown to 24 yards rushing on offense, and Devin Harper and Brock Martin each with two sacks. In the game, Christian Holmes had the interception in the game. Malcolm Rodriguez had nine tackles. The offense really did not have to do too much. Spencer Sanders, not the best game. 21-31 for 182 yards, two touchdowns. He did have an interception. Jalen Warren had 78 yards rushing and a touchdown. And Tay Martin, seven catches, 63 yards, and two touchdowns. OSU was just able to crack over 100 yards, but I'm watching the game and seeing how great the Cowboy defense was, and I said, you know, we don't have to drop 30-plus points, or 55 points for that matter, like they did last week against the Kansas Jayhawks. We didn't have to do that. Just, it was really, just manage the clock as best we, best as we can with the defense dominating and just get out. They, that, that was really the game plan, I thought, in this game. It was a good win. OSU, phenomenal. They came into the game number 11 with the win. They jump into the top 10 in the AP poll. They are now ranked number 10. A lot of college football went down this past weekend, and what a weekend it was. Number three, Michigan State ended up losing at Purdue 40-29. to Wake Forest, number nine, lost to North Carolina. Number 12, Baylor went down to TCU. Texas A&M defeated number 13 Auburn. A&M was number 14. 
Number 17, Mississippi State went down at Arkansas to the Razorbacks. Tennessee, an upset road win against number 18, Kentucky. Another Illinois upset in the Big Ten as they knocked off number 20, Minnesota. Number 22, Iowa, barely hung on against Northwestern. Number 23, Fresno State ended up losing to Boise State. Ohio State barely hung on in Lincoln, Nebraska, pulling out only a nine-point win against the Cornhuskers. Cincinnati barely escaped with an eight-point win against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Number four, Oregon, only one by ten against Washington. And Alabama, only a six-point win against LSU. I think Alabama was like a 27-and-a-half, 28-and-a-half-point favorite. It was something ridiculous, and they only beat LSU by 10. The AP Top 10 poll after this week, number one, Georgia, number two, Cincinnati, number three, Alabama, number four, Oklahoma, number five, Oregon, number six, Ohio State, number seven, Notre Dame, number eight, Michigan State, number nine, Michigan, and number 10, Oklahoma State. So definitely the top 25 definitely was shaken up this past weekend. Now to recap, or to preview for that matter, excuse me, Oklahoma State's next game against Texas Christian University, TCU. The Horned Frogs from Fort Worth, Texas are taking the trip up to Stillwater at Boone Pickens Stadium. Kickoff, 7 p.m. OSU is a 12.5-point favorite. If you are going to the game, wear black. Oklahoma State, we are blacking out Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. It's going to be a phenomenal day. Barry Sanders will have his statue unveiled in front of the stadium and his name will be right next to Thurman Thomas and the Ring of Honor. It's a long time coming for Barry Sanders. If it wasn't for Barry Sanders, I'll be honest, Oklahoma State wouldn't have been put on the map. He only had really two big offers to play football. It was Tulsa or OSU and he went to OSU and he went to OSU. His dad grew up as a Sooners fan and it was hard for him to see his son play for the Cowboys, a rival school. But it's about time Barry Sanders will have his moment in Stillwater. He came to Stillwater last month for the Heisman House Tour in the game against Baylor. I was able to meet him, and I was honored. It was a privilege. Not much to say else about Barry Sanders with the phenomenal career that he had at Oklahoma State and in the NFL with the Detroit Lions. So, TCU is coming in 4-5. and five. Their quarterback one, Max Duggan, is out. They will start Chandler Morris, a freshman, and he had a phenomenal game and the upset win against Baylor. 29-41, 461 yards, two touchdowns passing. He also had 70 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in the game as well. TCU has a running back duo, Zach Evans and Kendra Miller. Evans, 648 yards rushing and five touchdowns. Miller, 511 yards and six touchdowns. Their top receiver, Quentin Johnson, Johnston, 31 catches, 615 yards and six touchdowns on the season. TCU's defense has two players that each have over 50 tackles at least. D. Winters, the linebacker, has 60 and safety T.J. Carter has 54. So the Horn Frogs are going to feel pretty confident Coming up to Stillwater, I'm sure there will be some purple in the stands. They're feeling pretty confident. They just beat number 12 Baylor 
and they're going to come in looking for another upset against a Big 12 opponent. But the Cowboys come in 8-1. They're ranked number 10. They got a lot of momentum moving forward. They're really controlling their own destiny. They really are. The next three games will define the season. Against TCU this Saturday, the following week in Lubbock, Texas, against Texas Tech, and of course, the Bedlam game in Stillwater, Thanksgiving weekend on Saturday. It was a good weekend for college football all around. And I will now give my NFL picks for week 10 of the regular season. Last week, I only went 7-7. Seven and seven. There were some teams that lost that I thought had no business losing the game whatsoever, starting with the Buffalo Bills losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Dallas Cowboys, what a shocking loss at home to the Denver Broncos. The Saints lost at home to the Falcons. The Rams ended up losing at home on Sunday night against the Titans. It was a really weird weekend for the NFL. But it's a new week. It's week 10. And, of course, I will give my cover of the week, upset of the week, over-under pick, and lock of the week. So, we start Thursday night football at Hard Rock Stadium. The Miami Dolphins host the Baltimore Ravens. I am taking the Ravens. They had a great comeback win against the Minnesota Vikings. Miami won, yeah, but they played the Houston Texans. 12 p.m. games. We start on Sunday. First up, in Nashville, Tennessee, we got the Titans hosting the Saints. I'm going to roll with the Titans. That was a great win in Inglewood, California at SoFi Stadium against the Rams. Titans are definitely the team to beat in the AFC South. It's going to be a hard time going up against them. AFC Showdown at MetLife Stadium as the New York Jets host the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills bounce back after a shocking loss at Jacksonville. I don't think the Bills will get upset twice in a row against Jacksonville and the Jets. So I definitely think that the Bills will bounce back in East Rutherford. Next up, at Heinz Field, the Pittsburgh Steelers host the Detroit Lions. I'm going to just roll with the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. AFC South showdown in Indianapolis. My lock this week. I like the Colts as a lock against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A 2020 NFC wildcard rematch at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Tampa Bay comes in to play Washington, and I am going with Tampa Bay. At Foxborough, the Patriots host the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to take the New England Patriots in this game. In Dallas, AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas, if you want to get technical here, people. The Cowboys host the Atlanta Falcons last year. A crazy, crazy ending in that early game of the year with the onside kick recovery and the Cowboys comeback. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this game, and this will be my over-under pick. When I looked at about 1 a.m., the over-under was set at 53. I like the over in this game. I definitely think Dallas's offense is able to come back and score some points. The Denver defense played pretty good, but I don't think the Falcons defense is all that great. I think Matt Ryan can put up some points. I think we could have a game 
like we did last year in week two of 2020. I like the over in the game with Dallas winning. Over-under set at 53. I like the over. 3 p.m. games. First up, in Arizona, the Panthers go on the road to play the Cardinals. Even without the injuries, even with the injuries to the Cardinals when they play the 49ers, they still look good. And frustration grew. And Carolina, Robbie Anderson, heated with Sam Darnold. It's a problem in Carolina. And I will go with the Cardinals. At SoFi Stadium, the Chargers host the Minnesota Vikings. The Chargers had a late win against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Vikings collapsed against the Ravens in Baltimore. I'm going with the Chargers. At Lambeau Field, Russell Wilson is back for the Seahawks, but he has struggled playing against the Packers in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I am going to take the Packers in this game. And last for the 3 o'clock games, the Denver Broncos will host the Philadelphia Eagles. I am going to take the Broncos and my cover. When I looked, Denver was a minus 3 favorite at home. I like that. Minus 3, Denver. I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to take the long trip from eastern Pennsylvania to Colorado and beat them. For the night games, Sunday night football, the Las Vegas Raiders host the Kansas City Chiefs in an AFC West showdown. My upset pick, I am taking the Raiders. I am not impressed at all with Kansas City winning against the Packers. They played Jordan Love, his first start, seven points. You can't kill a rookie quarterback for putting up seven points in arguably the toughest stadium to play in the NFL. I like the Raiders for the upset on Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football, an NFC West showdown at Levi Stadium as the 49ers host the Rams. I think the Rams bounce back this week. The 49ers, they got a mess on their hands with Garoppolo, the quarterback situation. They got a mess going on. And it's hard to believe that team was in the Super Bowl two years ago and you look at where they're at now. It, it really is a mess. It's hard to imagine. So I like the Rams on Monday Night Football. The MLB announced the award finalist for the 2021 MLB season. For the National League MVP, it's Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr. For the American League MVP, two Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Simeon, and of course, Shohei Otani. For the National League Cy Young, Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, and Zach Wheeler. American League Cy Young, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, and Robbie Ray. For the American League Rookie of the Year, Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco, and Luis Garcia. The National League Rookie of the Year, Dylan Carlson, Jonathan India, and Trevor Rogers. And for the Managers of the Year, first for the American League, Dusty Baker, Kevin Cash, and Scott Surveys. For the National League, Craig Council, Gabe Kapler, and Mike Schilt. I thought it was fair for the candidates up for the awards. Shockingly, none of the players in the MVP choices made the postseason. Bryce Harper and the Phillies could not get a late push like I thought they could to win the National League East. Juan Soto is on a terrible Washington team. Fernando Tatis Jr. with San Diego. 
they were the biggest disappointment of the 2021 Major League Baseball season, in my opinion. The Blue Jays with Vlad and Simeon just missed out on the playoffs. And, of course, the Angels, they got a mess on their hands with their pitching staff. So I will give my honest predictions on who wins the awards, and I will not be biased. I will call it like it is. I will call it fair. So if you were to ask me who wins the National League MVP between Bryce Harper, Juan So, and Fernando Tatis Jr., I am taking Bryce Harper. I, I really am. For him to get the big contract and people say he's overrated and this and that, he had a really impressive season with the Philadelphia Phillies. He absolutely did. And for the American League MVP, as much as I want to say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with the Toronto Blue Jays, it's going to be Shohei Otani. The way he brought fans for baseball, you got a lot of people from Japan watching games in the United States because of Otani. I think Otani will win the American League MVP. For the National League, Cy Young between Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, and Zach Wheeler. I am going to take Max Scherzer in this for him to be at the age he's at and be dominant on two teams for that matter and he was a real reason why the Dodgers almost ended up winning the National League West I will go with Scherzer and for the American League Cy Young between Garrett Cole Lance Lynn and Robbie Ray I will go with Robbie Ray on this one the ERA was phenomenal he was the reason why the Blue Jays were able to have a chance to get into the postseason so I will go with Ray for the American League Rookie of the Year I will go with Randy Rosarena a big reason why the Rays were the best team in the American League this season for the National League Rookie of the Year I'm going to take Jonathan India on the Cincinnati Reds for the managers I'm going with Dusty Baker for the Houston Astros to win the American League Manager of the Year and for the National League Manager of the year, I'm taking Gabe Kapler on the Giants. I am. A big trade happened in the National Hockey League. The Buffalo Sabres dealt Jack Eichel to the Vegas Golden Knights. I was a little stunned by this. I was. You know, the moment the Sabres drafted him second overall in the 2015 NHL draft right after Connor McDavid, I really did thought, I really believed he was going to be Buffalo savior. They really haven't had consistent forwards that stood out going back to maybe Jason Pominville or Thomas Vanek or Miroslav Shatan. I thought he was going to be the savior, the Eichel Tower going to Buffalo, but it just did not work out. And the Sabres still were a bottom team in the NHL. They did not put much support around him. You look where they're at with Buffalo. They're going completely young and I don't think he wanted to be there. I, I, I really didn't. It was frustrating for him. He came in with big expectations of trying to win some games there, and the record clearly did not show. The Sabres are in a tough Atlantic division to try and win, win with some of the teams there. Boston, Tampa Bay, Montreal, Toronto. I mean, it is, I said Montreal and they're so bottom, but they made the cup last year. That's why I said that. Florida's in it too. I mean, there's just so many good teams that Buffalo has to compete with and it's very hard. Even the Red Wings are off to a surprise start this year. So he got dealt to the Golden Knights and I thought this was a good move for the Golden Knights. You know, they're always on the cusp of winning a Stanley Cup. 
They got bounced by the Canadians in the third round in overtime for the second straight year because in 2020 they got bounced in the third round in overtime by the Stars. They lost the cup final their first year to the Capitals in 2018, and I still think it was a ridiculous five-minute major in that Game 7 against the San Jose Sharks with the five-minute power play. But at the end of the day, Vegas was up 3-1, and there's no reason to blow a 3-0 lead with about halfway through the third period in a Game 7. But Vegas gets some goal scoring. I think it helps them out. Are they the team to beat now in the Western Conference? I will still say no. I just think that Colorado is that good. And St. Louis is having a pretty good year so far. But could this help them? Yeah. It definitely will. But just like everyone would have happened, yeah, we were stunned that, you know, the Sabres traded the Lord and Savior when they drafted him in 2015. It was just shocking. What a weekend it was if you are a fan of fighting. Between the Canelo and Plant fight and UFC 268. I'll start with the Canelo and Plant fight. I'll recap it very quickly. It was one of the best fights of the year for boxing. It was phenomenal to watch. Two of the most respected and talented boxers went at it. And Canelo defeated Plant with an 11th round knockout. And much respect between the two. I There was a video of them chatting in round nine, they were saying one another, good respect, and you're very talented, this and that. I thought it was good to see boxing, boxers just show respect for people, and that was very, very good to see. UFC 268 at Madison Square Garden in New York City, what an event it was. This had the record, 1,973 combined significant strikes It is the most in a single event in UFC history. And what a main card we had. Four of the five fights on the main card came down to a decision. And the first fight was an absolute phenomenal one to watch. It won fight of the night, hands down, between Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. They were throwing punches. Left and right, Chandler taunted him. He was trying to get the crowd going. It was a fun fight. It won fight of the night. It deserved it. After watching that fight, I said, there's no fight on this card that will top that. There's no chance. And it was phenomenal to watch. The second fight, Shane Burgos defeated Billy Quarantillo. Again, by the decision, fight was good. And being from New Jersey... I was kind of hoping for Frankie Yeager to defeat Marlon Vera, but that did not happen. This was the only fight on the main card that resulted in a TKO knockout or submission. Vera knocked out Edgar in round three. And the two championship fights, Rose Namajunas defeated Wiley Zhang in a split decision to keep her strawweight championship. It was a good fight. It was a rematch from UFC 261 in late April in Jacksonville. And in the main event, we had another rematch from UFC 245. Kamaru Usman defeated Colby Covington by decision to maintain his welterweight title. It was a fun weekend for fighting. I was a, I was watching it. Everybody was into it. And 
Good fight. Cannot wait for the next UFC pay-per-view event with Dustin Poirier on there and Oliveira, Amanda Nunez, and Jorge Masvidal in Las Vegas, Nevada next month. That card is going to be a fun one to watch. There is no doubt about it in my mind. Some other big games for college football this weekend. And it's going to be, there's some good ones. There absolutely is. We start two games at 11 o'clock. We start in the Big 12. Number 18, Baylor, after losing to TCU, they host number 4, OU. If you're an OU fan, you have to be nervous about the next three games. And the first one to be nervous about is Baylor. Baylor is always going to be a tough place to play. The Sooners will make the drive, or trip down for that matter, from Norman, Oklahoma to Waco, Texas. The Baylor fans will definitely be rowdy. The Baylor players are going to come out looking for payback. You know, after losing last week to TCU, they got an upset on their mind. And this game will definitely shake up the standings for the Big 12 and who could possibly play at AT AT&T Stadium for the Big 12 championship. It will be a fun game to watch early in the morning. Another 11 o'clock game, this time to the Big 10, as number 23 Penn State hosts number 9 Michigan. I think Penn State has a chance of beating Michigan. I'm not crazy about Michigan after their win against Indiana. Indiana is not good this year. And Penn State, they've fallen off. They had some tough losses. Definitely a chance to get back up into the standings and earn your respect is defeat number four, or excuse me, number nine, the Michigan Wolverines. At 2.30, Ohio State, watch out, because you got a team that can be spoiler makers. <laughs> For Purdue, the Boil Makers, I did a parody with the Spoiler Makers, I know. But if Purdue can upset number two Iowa at Iowa, and if they can defeat number three Michigan State, there is a chance they can beat the Ohio State Buckeyes in Columbus. I will definitely say that Ohio State did not have the best game. I thought they could have taken that game over against Nebraska many a times they couldn't and I definitely think that's a game to watch for an upset a huge game also at six o'clock number 11 Texas A&M goes to Mississippi and they will play number 12 Ole Miss this game will definitely shake up the top 25 rankings depending on who wins it's always good to see Two teams that are ranked in the top 15 go head-to-head. A&M and Ole Miss are trying to crack into the top 10. Maybe if a team that's in the top 10 loses, maybe they can leapfrog along with some other teams. Watch out for an upset with this game. Number 7, Notre Dame, goes on the road to Virginia, who's 6-3. and three. Virginia will give Notre Dame a good game. There is no doubt about that. That could be a game to watch for an upset. And another game that is at 6.30 and also in the top 25 for two teams. Number 21, NC State, travels to Wake Forest, ranked number 13. Wake Forest, after coming off a tough loss against the Tar Heels, they're definitely going to have 
a huge chip on their shoulders to come in and try and knock off number 21. It will be at 6.30 at Wake Forest. And last, voted on, on my Instagram story, I will give my opinion on the top 10 post-game rants by coaches. Now, I will be clear. It has to be post-game. It cannot be leading up to the game. So I will give an example. Herm Edwards famous, you play to win the game. That was leading up to the next game for the New York Jets when Herm Edwards was coaching the Jets for his time there. It has to be after the game. So this was tough because there's a lot of rants that have happened and you remember coaches saying something and that makes the rant iconic or just so stand out above every other rant that's ever happened. There will be no player rants in this. It's only coaches. has to be post-game. So I'm going to try to dive right into it. It was a very tough one, but we will start it. Number 10, Hal McRae in 1993. McRae was the manager of the Kansas City Royals at that time, and he got into a little argument with a reporter after the game asking him about a decision that he made during the game. And at the end of the... At the end, McRae said, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Not the best words to say after a game, to be honest. Number nine, Kevin Borston, the Michigan State women's basketball head coach. This was after a game in 2008 where Michigan lost and Borston came in banging on the desk, sick of getting out rebounded. Tired of not getting calls go their way. Borsten came in unhappy. And, you know, even for women's basketball, coaches have the ability to flip out. Number eight, Jim Mora's Diddley Poo. This was when Mora was coaching the Saints at the time. The Saints lost to the Panthers in 1996. And they, after the game, they dropped to two and six. And Mora went on a rant. Diddly poo. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. And the next day, after that game, Mora resigned as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Number seven, Jim Schoenfeld have another donut. Schoenfeld was coaching the New Jersey Devils, and they're pulling off this miracle run in 1988 in the playoffs. They lose 6-1 to one against the Boston Bruins in Game 3 of their series. And it's very rare you have a good, memorable rant immediately following, like maybe two minutes after the game. Sean Feld and referee Don Koharski get into a little argument about refereeing in the game. And Jim Schoenfeld's famous, you fell, you fat pig, have another donut, have another donut. Very rare. You get an incident off the ice that becomes so famous for the National Hockey League. Number six, Barry Hinson, my wife. Barry Winston Hinson, excuse me for that matter, was the head coach at Southern Illinois. And following a loss in December 2013, he let his frustration go. And he was famously saying, my wife can shoot better than 2411 
because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. Not the best way, maybe, to go after players on your team. That's really not the best way to do it. Number five, John Tortorella curses out Larry Brooks. Following the Tampa Bay Lightning losing Game 5 in the 2007 playoffs to the New Jersey Devils, the Lightning lost the game and eventually would lose the series in Game 6, but this was after Game 5. And... Tortorella was not really in the best of mood answering questions, and Larry Brooks is trying to ask him something, and Tortorella is really getting frustrated. And at the end of Tortorella with talking to Brooks, he's he said something along the lines, I guess that's what I'm saying, Brooks. You finally get that through your head? Yeah, and it's a waste of my time. And Tortorella, <laughs> well, then get the F out of here then. I'm gonna. Okay, see ya. That's amazing to see a coach... Just tell a reporter, get the F out of here then. Okay, see ya. That's a real... That's not a good one. Especially if you're a reporter getting put in your place by a head coach, regardless of the sport. Number four, Mike Singletary. I want winners. The 49ers lost in week eight of the 2008 season to the Seattle Seahawks, and this was the game Vernon Davis walked off the field and... Mike Singletary, after the game, was asked about Vernon. And Singletary talked about how he believed in the old school. He was famously saying, I'd rather play with 10 people instead of play with 11 when I know one guy is not set out to be a part of the team. It's more about them. Cannot play with him, cannot coach with him, can't do it. I want winners. After that, Vernon Davis turned into, I'm not going to say a all all-star or just a phenomenal tight end but he was a good tight end based on where he was taken in the NFL draft you know had the famous catch against the New Orleans Saints in the 2011 divisional playoffs number four on that list number three Dennis Green the Bears are who we thought they were the Cardinals blow a Monday night game in week six against the Bears. Rex Grossman, the quarterback of the Bears, threw four picks. The Cardinals were up 23-3, to and the Bears scored 21 unanswered points. Neil Rackers missed a field goal with a chance to win it, and Dennis Green loses his mind after the game. He was asked about the Bears. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the field, and we let them off the hook. You know, it was a famous rant that happened and it definitely will live on in NFL history rest in peace Dennis Green number two Jim Mora's playoffs this is memorable in every single way whenever the NFL postseason comes around they will always show this clip when Mora was the head coach with the Indianapolis Colts the Colts lost In late November in 2001 to the 49ers, Peyton Manning threw four interceptions in the game, and Tim Bragg, the reporter, asked Jim Mora if there was a chance that the Colts could still make the playoffs, and Mora loses his mind. He, like, shakes his head. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Like, I just hope we can win another game. And you make a good point. You know, you can't lose a big game and constantly think that you can go to the playoffs. And after the season, unfortunately, Jim Moore was fired 
by the Colts. They finished six and ten that year, and they did not make the playoffs. And number one, I'm sure some people will say no surprise to this. The number one postgame rant of all time. Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40. This was after Oklahoma State defeated Texas Tech in 2007. A woman reporter, I don't know her name, but a reporter wrote an article on Oklahoma State's quarterback Bobby Reed at the time, and the reporter is criticizing him, telling him it's all about attitude, his head's not in it, this and that. So the Cowboys win their game against the Red Raiders, and Gundy does not talk about the game whatsoever. A paper was given to him, as he said, by a mother of children about the quarterback situation. And he makes a point. It embarrasses him to be involved with the athletics. And also, as he says, that article had to have been written by a person that doesn't have a child and never had a child who had their heart broken and they come home upset. And he makes a point. You don't go after an amateur athlete that does everything right. Going to class, being respectful to the media and the public, and being a good kid, well-respected. And you laugh at it when it first happened or just criticized him. But as you get older, you realize he's sticking up for his players, and he's a player's coach. Don't downgrade him because he does everything right. And he may not play good on the weekends. Let the coach make that decision, not a woman reading the article. And, of course, the famous I'm a man, I'm 40. Don't don't write about amateur athletes that do everything right and, a, and kids that do everything right and their heart's broken. As he said, come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a kid. And he's spot on. Don't go after amateur kids thinking they're professional athletes because at the end of the day, when you're in college and you play sports you're still a student first and that's a very important thing for reporters or journalists to just realize they are still students at the end of the day and as Gundy said to close the Gundy said to close the thing they're supposed to be mature adults but they're really not who's the kid here and that is my opinion on the top 10 post-game rants by coaches of all time. I'll recap them. Hal McRae in 1993, when he was managing the Royals, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Kevin Bornston, the women's basketball head coach at Michigan. Number eight, Jim Morris Diddley Poo, when he was the head coach of the Saints. Number seven, Jim Schoenfeld, coach of the New Jersey Devils, have another donut. Number six, Barry Hinson, my wife. Number five, John Tortorella cursing out Larry Brooks. Number four, Mike Singletary, I want winners. Number three, Dennis Green, the Bears are who we thought they were. Number two, Jim Moore's playoffs. And number one, Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40. And that is all the time I have today for episode number 11. Hope you guys absolutely enjoyed it. And you can catch me at Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday against TCU. And one more reminder, if you are going to Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday for the game against TCU, wear black. We are blacking out the stadium. I got my outfit picked out. 
black cowboy hat, black long sleeve shirt, black jeans. Jake Ferraro at Oklahoma State University, signing off.